this is episode number five of an indie web podcast, the tentatively titled podcast that seems to have turned into a permanently titled podcast. It is currently Sunday, May 13th. Unlike last time, it is not um, after midnight. It is mid-afternoon here, and it is um, basically late morning in California, where my co-host Chris Altrich is enjoying his Mother's Day, I gathered. Uh, we're, we're trying to. It's uh, cold and rainy here in Los Angeles County, which is quite uncommon. Uh, well, I do have to ask about this. Uh, it's also raining here, um, but what is considered cold in Los Angeles? Um, according to my simple location plug-in, it is uh, 66 degrees here. That's cold? Yeah. that's Well, cold for this late in May when usually it's 80 or 90 degrees easily. It's 53 here. And this is uh, day, day two of rain. Typically, we get a week of rain in January. It'll rain one day in August. It then rains. It sprinkles a little bit on Halloween, and then we get nothing until that week in January again. So, I get more of that here. So we're in a more rainy area. Oh yeah, I I miss the East Coast for that. But you are always welcome to stop by. We're still open for business for tourism. There you go. Well, I was thinking of uh, doing my next tourist stop in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, yes, actually, I was thinking of visiting that place also. Isn't that I an know. amazing coincidence? <laughs> I don't think it's coincidence at all because my I was planning on the dates of you know the twenty fifth through the twenty seventh of June. Yeah, well, I know you were almost um, visiting Portland um, around that time last year. Oh, and then yeah, and then then life shows up. Yes, I was very disappointed. But I th- I think I've got this one locked in, and I'm gonna. In fact, I should be hopefully buying tickets uh, later today or tomorrow at the worst. Yes. Um, so for those of you who um, haven't uh, been listening to this podcast and have not been following along, uh, the IndieWeb Summit, which is the big IndieWeb event where um, all of the IndieWebbers who can make it get together, um, will be occurring as it does every year in Portland, Oregon, uh, except for that one year where we had an Indie uh, Web Camp uh, West, Indie Web Camp East, and uh, Indie Web Camp even further east. <laughs> Well, they wanted to call it Far East, but I pointed out to them that um, that usually applies to a lot of people Asia. Yes. So um, we are not do- um, doing the simulcast. We tried that a few years back where we had a group in New York, a group in Portland, and a group, I, bo- I forget where, in Germany. It'll, it'll come to me. Um, so since then, we that was when, when it was just the sort of the Indie Web Camp. It was renamed the Indie Web Summit. Um, it is the main ga- uh, annual gathering. Um, there are, of course, the other gatherings that are annual. For example, there's usually at least one indie web camp in various cities every year, uh, and some cities more sporadically. But it is exciting because a lot of people come who don't always get to come to other events. So uh, we know that uh, one Chris Aldrich is coming. I'm in. I've RSVP'd. Yeah, and I will be there. I'm making a stop on the way, so I'm coming by train. You're doing the whole trip by train? 
Uh, no, the part that gets me to Portland is by train. Okay. I am not. Um, I. It is not that I would not enjoy a cross country uh, train trip. I just don't think I have that kind of time. Yeah, I, that that's always the the tough part is the two or three days of travel. Although I guess on a train, if you're going through the night, you could probably do it in about two days. Yeah, the longest train trip I've taken as a passenger, I think, was twenty six hours. And uh, that's where I racked up that $600 phone bill. <laughs> Let's not do that again, then. Well, bear in so, mind, uh, they told me that it was unlimited after 9 o'clock, uh, but apparently they didn't count data at the time. Yeah, well, and when you're constantly moving on a train, that 9 o'clock time keeps moving based on the time zone you're in. So, Well, that's what I told Verizon, and they did agree and, <laughs> and reduced the bill. Oh, there you go. I that's promised awesome. I would never do it again. Um and I said, um, this is what your literature says. And I called your, your company and asked you this question before I left. And you should have a record of it. They agreed with me, but still charged me. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, so, well. this is, so this is the, the, big, the big annual confab then that we're talking about. And is, it, is there anything drastically different about the Big Indie Web Summit versus smaller indie web camps or even uh, local uh, biweekly or semi-weekly homebrew website clubs? Well, the Homebrew Website Club is very different than the Indie Web Camp. Um, so the Homebrew Website Club um, does have some things in common. Um, it's an Indie Web event. Um, but being as it's a night of um, basically talking about your website, it has sort of a different feel to it than Indie Web Camp, where you have basically um, the traditional Indie Web Camp is a two-day event. The first day is uh, basically a bar camp style with panels. So basically and you sit in a room. You tell, you tell me what a tell me what a bar camp is though. That's what I was just about to explain. Yeah, okay. Okay. So you sit in a room and you um traditionally the way it's been done at indie web camps is you have a bunch of uh stickies, so uh, post-it notes. Um by the way, um somebody needs to remind um Aaron Parecki and Contact to get the really big uh post-it notes because invariably somebody forgets them. Oh yeah. Uh so, uh, I'll, br I'll bring some. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, I know uh, Aaron probably has some from previous years, but I know invariably office supplies are something that we forget in planning. Yeah. And I've been involved in as a organizer, as a participant, and as just a general helpful person in realizing that we always forget something. Even though we keep saying we have a checklist, we just keep forgetting to check it. Um mm -hmm. So everybody writes down what they're interested in having panels on, and whoever writes it down has to not necessarily lead the panel, but be the facilitator. So um, just because you suggested a topic doesn't mean you have to know anything about it. You just have to guide the conversation, and somebody else can participate as an expert, or nobody could be an expert. So once yeah. you once you have a bunch of these things up, there's some maneuvering to figure out what type of schedule you're going to have, who's going to be first, who's going to be second. Um, basically, uh, there are a lot of discussions if multiple people want to go to the same thing and it's running opposite another thing because there are usually two or three different tracks going on. So everything gets sort of rearranged after some discussion so that you get to go to the most amount of things you want to. So if a lot of people want to go to X and the same group of people don't want to go to Y, then they'll be opposite each other. And in several cases, um, I wanted to go to 
um, three things that were all happening simultaneously, and I just had to live with it. And watch the recording later because um, the summit is very well recorded. Um, some events, you know, for technical reasons, there isn't always a recording. Um, some there are. Uh, the recordings are usually available after the fact on the Indie Webcamp YouTube page, so it's just sort of a running uh, recording of what happened. So you could go back, uh, watch what the discussion was. Uh, you obviously at that point can't participate. And then somebody also goes and takes the notes. Uh, the notes usually appear in um, first in Etherpad, which is then transcribed to the wiki. And there are a bunch of great ideas that have never actually been executed on that are, are there from discussions that were had at various indie webcams, but may someday be put into place. Oh, it's always fun to kind of go back and look at old indie webcam sessions that no one has built on yet and go over some of those ideas for interesting new ground to play around with and do things with. Um, I have a whole list of those somewhere. It's kind of a, it's kind of a hidden gem. I've got a bunch of book bookmarks for exactly those things. Um, or or there are things that you can't execute on now because you need to build some intermediate piece of plumbing, maybe, and and then later on they come come back around. But I think those are some some fine unmined gems. Although although in looking back at um, the Dusseldorf camp that just happened this past week. Um, I was kind of kind of disappointed there wasn't as much note taking as as usually occurs. Well, that's the other reason why uh, we sort of like the video because if there isn't note taking, somebody can go back watch the video and then do the note taking yeah, after the fact. Yeah, and they um, admittedly there were some uh, comments about it might be uh, due to the fact they were talking about privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they but... did. <laughs> yeah, um, some people um, found that, that thought we were joking. Um, but, Two of us asked that question. It was myself and Tontek, just yeah. because it was one of the topics. Uh, but they did actually uh, legitimately say that they just uh, didn't get anything set up. Yeah, well, it's hard to do note taking and set up and leading conversations all at the same time, too. So I, which is why you should always have somebody in the room designated as a note taker who is separate from the facilitator who is set, um, ha- has agreed to take on that role for the event. Yeah, or have a bunch of um, folks attending remotely who are serving that need as well, which that, always yeah. helps. But you can only you can only do remote um, taking if there's video. So since I like asking questions, I already know the answers to. Well, you um, don't know if our audience knows the answer. Well, I, you know, I always like to play the devil's advocate and the the or the Greek chorus to some extent and see if we can't play up because you and i having a conversation on topics we're already well versed in is oh well well, we always learn something i think some of the oh i have yeah i always learn something um which makes it even more entertaining for me ask asking sometimes what seems like the dumbest questions on the planet somehow somewhere something comes up that always makes it entertaining and informative but if one wanted to go to indie web summit uh, what's involved? What do you need to do? How do you how do you get into it? Uh, well, you have a few um, choices there. Um, number one, of course, uh, you can send an indie RSVP. Uh, so that is, of course, um, the I'm not going to say the 
but let's just uh, go over the options here. I'm pulling the page. Uh, so an indie RSVP is free. Um, so basically all you have to do is put some HTML onto your website and then register and use that URL. Then the second option is you could just go the more traditional way and buy a ticket. Now, if you buy a ticket, that's $10. The reason why that's $10 and the other option is free is because it's sort of, no matter what, it encourages you to do something. Uh, the something being, um, in order to participate in the event, you should take some sort of affirmative action. So it proves that you're sort of serious. If it's so casual that you just fill out a form, we really can't get a good idea of who's coming. And if you spend $10 and don't show up, we got 10 bucks. If you indie RSVP, you did something, which suggests you went through the effort of doing something. And again, it just sort of, uh, it puts a bar on it a little higher than just filling out a form to say you're coming. It gives you some skin in the game, so to speak. Yeah, and they discovered that this is sort of the combination. And the $10 does go towards um, covering the cost of the event and other things. And of course, um, there's an option to contribute to the Travel Assistance Fund, which helps people from underrepresented groups attend the Indie Web Summit. I don't know if we actually have a, somebody who applied for the fund this year. Yeah. In fact, I'll make, I'll, I'll make the offer I usually do to at least some or those who are watching. But if you want to go to Indie Web Summit and you can't afford the $10, uh, and you pay it up front, I'll reimburse you on the day of the event when you show up. Well, I'll go for the easier one. If you want to go to Indie Web Summit and you can't afford the $10, I will help you craft the HTML. Oh, there you go. And I know there are actually some, but particularly in um, education circles who are going and have universities picking up at least portions of their attendance who've offered to... Um, split rooms or help defray costs with their own corporate dollars. Well, um, I've arranged um, for a room. So there's there's lots of options if you, for some reason, can't afford to go or we're willing to bend over backwards to to help folks figure out how to attend. But I guess, I guess you know, this also brings up the bigger question is how does one start? In fact, I got the question... Um, I saw it pop up last night in the indie web chat and it was kind of late in the evening and no one, there, there weren't as many people in the chat uh, to have responded, but somebody via Twitter, um, a nice gentleman by the name of David asked the question, do I know anyone interested in building indie web tech or federated services? I'm having trouble conceptualizing some things without having people to, bounce ideas off of and I, you know my first thought was okay here's somebody who's asking for some help let's let's try and give them a little bit of help but ideally without overwhelming them so i responded very briefly with uh you know if you don't mind making new friends i'm happy to chat about these topics and he then responded a moment later with you know that's what this is all about i've been i've always been an outsider to that community and want to and want to find good ways to enter and get involved, but I'm also trying to find ways to make activity pub based projects more accessible to the average web user. So I saw this and I thought to myself, you know, this is this is the exact purpose and mission of what the indie web community is about is you know finding people who are interested in the same topic and 
helping make it easier for them to reach out and get involved as well as making it easier for the average person to do what some of us more tech technically minded people are already doing. Um, I've been trying to do that for four years now. So if, if somebody came to you and said, how can I get involved in the indie web? What kind of things would you suggest that they do? Well, um, in well, some sense, I, I wouldn't make could... a suggestion. I'd ask a question first. And what, what question would you ask? What do you want to do? The logical question is, again, you're saying, I want to be more involved. Well, what sort of things do you want to do? What sort of things can you do? So starting before I make some suggestions about what I think would be good for you, tell me what you think would be good for you. So it's basically, well, what skills do you have? You want to contribute, and you know, how do you, how can you contribute? So are you, can you, I'll give you a few examples. Are you a programmer or somebody who could write code? Are you a designer or somebody who, who could make suggestions? Are you somebody who could write your experiences down? So you don't necessarily have to be a programmer or a designer, though there's certainly two groups that we always could use more of um, in terms of writing things. Um, but we also need people to write documentation. We need people to try things and give feedback as users. There's a lot of different things that we need as a community. And again, even just posting on your site, you're part of the community. Post on your site, syndicate to other places, send out web mentions, reply to people, interact with other people. That's something we need also. So now presuming I've answered that question, then um, I know we won't specify what the answer was. How can I... How can I actively get involved other than, you know, if I, you know, presumably I think the lowest level bar is if you own your own domain and you've got some site semblance of website up, you're a de facto member of the community. Um, well, again, but, um, a varying degrees. There are active members of the community and there are, um, let's say, passive members of the community, active being people who are often involved in things and of being people who are interested but not necessarily at the point at which they interact with other people. And to be honest, um, I'm always looking for people who don't necessarily want to do anything other than interact. And again, that is the, I'm going to say that is the simplest thing somebody could do. It doesn't require any skills. Well, maybe social skills, but it doesn't require any particular um, talent for anything. It just requires you to be involved. And then my next question is how how can one then be more involved? Where where does the where does the community live in well, some sense? Well we we live in a lot of places. For example, there's Homebrew Website Club where we happen to live. Now living there again, you can organize one in your community and um I'll just quote um Barney McGuire and his uh, excellent uh, This Week in the Indie Web podcast, which is a uh, digest of things that happened in the community. Uh, you can just go to your local coffee shop. I forget exactly how he says it. He says the same thing every week, and I still haven't memorized it. Go figure. <laughs> I considered, I considered, you know, just as a as a joke once to just sort of read his script for him. Yeah. You know the parts that he redoes every week, and just send him a copy and see if he uses it. Yeah. Because I think he must be tired of saying that over and over again. Although I gather he has a pre-recorded version of it, he just cuts in every week. Yeah, that that's possible. Or you know, maybe as a group, we could all have a different person record that section every. No, that was I jokingly suggested that to him once, but I th I figured he, um, 
he doesn't mind doing it. But I figured I would just one day just send him a recording of that and see what happens. Yeah. That could work. So, so homebrew website. Well, he may listen to this, so he may know that I was thinking of doing that now. Well, yeah, you've ruined the surprise. It wasn't a surprise. Um, I told him I'd probably do it at some point when I was just sitting around and wanted to. Anyway, so the, um, he's also my so, roommate for the Indie Web Summit. Okay. He was my roommate in Austin also. Um, my other roommate, um, who I've roomed with in Baltimore and in the summit before last, um, Gregor is still looking for a roommate. Oh, I may. I have to reach out and then say something because I, I can. Well, you can join us at the uh, at the University Place Hotel, which is very economical, and it is a straight uh, light rail ride from the summit. Oh, goody. So it's uh, it's not near the summit, um, but that allows you to reduce the cost of your room by a significant amount. And they throw in a free, although not luxurious, breakfast. Uh, you get a cookie on arrival. Oh, co- cookies are good. Cookies are good. And there's Wi-Fi. Um. So there's the summit. There are indie web camps. Uh, there are homebrew website clubs. I what love one I... of those, to be honest. What, what... There's not one in my city. The only indie web, ask me, the only um, homebrew website club that I actually have is the one that I conduct with myself. Well, we've we've done some virtual ones in the past as well. Yeah, I'm saying the only in-person one I have in the New York area. Yeah. Although somebody did comment on my website that they thought I was from New Jersey and haven't figured out what to say to that. <laughs> I, I can't make fun of Chris Christie anymore, so I don't know what to say about New Jersey. Yeah. But either way, um, you have that. You have, again, probably the easiest way that does not require you to go anywhere is, of course, the Indie Web series of chat rooms, which are available on Slack, which is bridged to IRC, where they're also available. And there is a web client as well. So whether it's just logging, not even logging into a website, but just opening up a web page, I can essentially start chatting with indie web folks around the world. Yeah. And again, there are options to put it into a client if you want on your mobile device. But the easiest way, again, is you can go to basically chat.indieweb.org. All the rooms are there, and there's a bot. There's a box at the bottom to join the chat, or it gives you the links to join via IRC. Oh, we have Matrix now? Yeah, Matrix is an option, too. So Okay, I did not realize we had Matrix. Either way, we, we are bridging to Matrix, we are bridging to um, Slack, and we have, of course, native IRC. So there are three places where you can have interactions, and they're all linked together. Yeah, I, I kind of always wish that um, you know, on other online chat modality is like Hangouts or you know the f- fifteen other versions that Google offers or Apple offers. We're all as well connected as these four four services that the indie web chat exists within. And uh, I have to give credit to Aaron Parecki who has maintained the the logs. So the chat.indieweb.org has the logs of all the log chats. There is an off-topic chat that is deliberately not logged, but all the other ones are logged, so you can go back and see all the conversations. And search them. Yeah, um, and he did a lot of nice work on that. Um, sometimes I feel as if Aaron is sort of propping up the community. 
you know, it's like a it's like a table with two legs. Aaron is one leg, and the rest of us are the other leg. Oh, I always thought it was a a table where the tabletop was made out of Aaron, and the rest of us at best made three legs. Who's the fourth leg? You don't you don't you don't need a fourth leg as long as you have three. The tables stand up. Well, we're always we're always putting more people into our legs. So. So the height of the tabletop keeps getting higher. There you go. But Aaron has built a lot of um, foundational technologies that we've built the community on. And over time, and I think even Aaron would probably say he's perfectly happy, um, people are replacing his pieces with their own. Uh, the same thing with uh, Ryan Barrett, who does Bridgie. Bridgie is designed to be this hosted service for something that you could theoretically do yourself. But how many people want to deal with all these different APIs to integrate them into their site? Bridgie takes them all and puts them into one. Yep. Think one well, single I, API. I like the way I thought like the way it's so modularly built that even if you don't want to do it and run it yourself, you can contribute small pieces to it. So, you know, I've had a few people ask me, "Oh, why why doesn't Bridgie support LinkedIn?" It could if you and, write it. And I've said, you know, if if that's what you want, it's incredibly well documented how to add support for it and which pieces to add. And I, I think Brian would probably even bend over backwards to help you fill in some pieces that you might not uh, yes. um, know, and know about. And then suddenly, not only do you have access to that, but then, you know, thousands of other people would immediately have access to it as well. And bear in mind, uh, he's given me a lot of his time over the years um i'm going to once again apologize to him for <laughs> i do all the time um for driving him crazy yeah. no um the i work with him on the micropub server for wordpress and he doesn't use the product which he's admitted on a daily basis but he is still basically he started it as a community service like he did bridgie because he thought we needed one and basically, his uh, lately his entire contribution has been reviewing pull requests from me. Yep. So, um, so God bless him. Yeah. Well, I told him that um, if he really didn't want to do it anymore, um, we could transfer it over to the IndieWeb repo where reviewing would become a community obligation. So, in order for me to do a pull request, somebody in the community would have to read it. That doesn't mean it couldn't still be him. It just would sort of spread the burden around. Um, because I can't volunteer to be the primary reviewer on another plugin. I've, I, I think I've taken on a lot of those. And while I'm willing to take on as many as I can, I think uh, spreading the love works. Yeah. Time, well, time is finite, so. No, time is infinite. My time is finite. <laughs> well, there you go. But... Um, just to circle back to the summit, um, that's the first day. Uh, the second day is, of course, the create, hack, and demo day. So you spend, um, there are some sessions. So basically, for part of the day, there's sort of an intro session. Uh, this year, it's scheduled as uh, Indie Web 101, Indie Webifying Your WordPress. I think they know that we're coming. Uh, yeah. If that topic is on there, they know we're coming. Yep. Uh, dev intro to Indie Web building block. So basically it's sort of a, okay, here's some things that you might want to know in order to work on your site. 
So hacking doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to build something new. You could be working on your website. Well, I, I've also noticed in past years and past camps that there are, and I, I hopefully over time it'll be an even larger growing number of people showing up who who have no website when they start and show up. And typically, they're able to leave after a day and a half with some help from folks who do show up with a usable, functional, working website. Well, here's what so, I wanted to do just before we went any further. I just pulled up last year's demo and schedule list. So I'm just going to read some of the things that were built at last year's Indie Web Summit in order of presentation. Um, so what we have, we have uh, Johannes Ernst who um, started to work on IndieTech.rocks, which is a project that aims to list products that are not out to take advantage of you. I haven't looked at that in, since then. Um, uh, Scott Jensen basically um, worked on prototyping and new design for IndieWeb.org and then uh, did some stuff on his own site. Marty McGuire hooked Own Your Swarm into his website. And then ran into a problem where Jekyll could not handle the number, the amount of data that was sent. Um, so he had to do that. Um, and he documented the This Week in the Indie Web podcast process. And he recorded a bunch of interviews, which we talked about. And he helped uh, Doug Beal in acquiring a website for an upcoming Indie Web web ring, which uh, I have to ask uh, how that's going. Uh, Ward Cunningham um, basically added a micropub endpoint to a FedWiki instance and used it, um, published to it using Quill. Uh, Grant Richmond worked on a micropub client that used the Microsoft bot framework to allow him to set up a bot that can be accessed through various uh, messaging apps as well as a browser interface. Uh, Jonathan LeCure uh, basically um, did a test of a micropub media endpoint for Known and then spent most of the afternoon thinking about a reading experiment. And that ended up bearing fruit because that was the discussion of uh, Together, which later started to be built. Uh, Gregor worked on a custom version of Quill to make citation or red posts. Uh, let's see, Jack Jameson uh, worked on displaying book information on his site. I always forget how to how to pronounce Lillian's last name. Karabayek? I always forget. I know I've heard it. Uh, and it actually says here that she spent the entire day Tom Sawyering, Ryan Barrett, David Shansky, and Aaron Parecki, and attributed most of the work that got done to her complaining. Which, in in translation, means she she had a website and didn't quite know exactly how to make it do a few things. She wanted to make changes, so she asked for help, and well, actually, she well, gave a presentation involving her pain points. And by the end of the yeah. day, we eliminated some of her pain points. So. Well, she, I, but I think that's the the nice part is that she was able to show up without a tremendous amount of technical knowledge to do the things she wanted to do. And the people in the community pitched in and helped her out to be able to do some of those things. Um, and in doing so, she actually made the community bigger, better, and stronger by doing that. Which I think is a, you know, a valuable piece. Um, 
We had uh, Ryan Barrett started self-dogfooding his newly launched indie map, which he announced there. Uh, so this is a map of the indie web. Um, now, uh, let's see, what else did he do? Um, he did um, enabled Own Your Swarm in the Micropub plugin, which I later disabled. Well, um, he basically uh, had it so that it would bypass what I was doing in favor of his because mine wasn't ready. When mine was ready, I asked him if he would allow me to bypass his work, which we later did. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Jim Pick uh, hooked an Amazon uh, button up to, um, to basically... Um, Chained the button to other things. Uh, worked on some additional distributed web projects. Uh, Dub Beal um, thought about uh, Posse and Pesos for reading. Sebastian Kip um, basically never got to the indie web part of what he was trying to do. So he was trying to basically um, get his Strava rides into his own control. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Brown apparently uh, learned about the MicroPub to GitHub service uh josh duran uh sent, res- worked to resend his rsvp to the summit with a photo in his h card uh Tontech, let's see what did he do that day uh, he worked on event posts and had a mem- minimum viable version on his website with his first event which was humber website club and uh let's see keep going anton anton pod Vyaznikov, um, continued building um, a personal CMS where he added JSON feed. Uh, apparently, I uh, did a bunch of stuff that day, including working on the Bridgie plugin, which I will, I've already said I'm going to discontinue. In fact, I think you actually had a marathon week that week. Well, bear in mind, right after I left there, I flew straight from Portland after a 24-hour uh, unfortunate layover thanks to the people at Delta who did not let me on the plane the first time. Um, I flew from there to Tokyo, changed planes in Tokyo, and, and spent three weeks in Manila. And uh, you know what I had to do in Manila other than uh, do my job that I was there to do? I had time to do indie web things because I don't know anybody in Manila, and I still don't know anybody in Manila. By the way, I'm going to back back to Manila, so expect some more indie web stuff, I guess. Yeah. They promised me it won't be quite as long this time, though. I was there for three weeks last summer. We'll see. Anyway, um, me being stuck in hotel rooms is incredibly productive. Especially when I was uh, working uh, from 8 in the evening to 5 in the morning. Oh, yeah, that'll that'll do it. I really didn't want to wander the streets of... So what, what was the... What was the one thing that you did at, at camp that set the whole month off? I was working on simple locations a lot. Um, so I worked on the user interface for that, and then I continued on with a bunch of stuff related to that. I did a whole bunch of major rewrites that week. Um, but it, I basically made it so that uh, the Bridgie plugin could walk the user through registering the various Bridgie services. So this had been actually um, brought up as a user hurdle, so I built it while I was there. and It's still in there. Uh, let's see, Michelle uh, JL demoed a new version of her website. Uh, Gene McDonald um, basically worked on 
up, let's see, posting to her new website, which is cross-posted to micro.blog. Uh, ben Mueller didn't demo anything um, because all of his fixes were invisible. Uh, Aaron showed off, uh, let's see, his micro.blog, which was not being updated with posts from his website. And Manton was able to fix that over the weekend, so it was actually working. Uh, then he worked on uh, better ways to interact with posts from within Quill. And let's see, Martin Vanderven uh, called in from Sweden to demo his personal website. So that's a lot of uh, demos. Yeah, and the other thing, yeah, the other thing I was going to mention is what actually happened during the um, schedule for the previous day. A few of the topics. So there was an overview of the indie web. What is it? The state of it, etc. Um, there was some lightning intros. Uh, there was a WordPress session. IndieTech.rocks. What conditions make for effective collaboration? Specialized micropub clients. Reading posts. Putting it all together. Indie events. Indie web for hardware. Personal website layouts. O status bridge. FedWiki Quick Start, IndieWeb.org Refresh, Location, Location, Location. And Siri, what is Tantec doing? Bridging IndieWeb with audio interfaces. So, the, you know, if you look at any IndieWeb event and they're all, um, the schedules for all these events are actually all listed on the wiki dating back several years, you can see what topics were discussed and you may get some ideas. For example, I can go back because I think it was Gregor who was nice enough to put links in the schedule directly to the YouTube video of the event and the discussion where it was recorded, uh, where there were discussions of things. I might not remember what happened. I was in the location, location, location um, thing, but I'm not sure I remember if, um, some of the ideas that were suggested that might inspire me. So maybe I should watch it. Now, I wanted to be in the specialized micropub client session but I couldn't because it was going opposite the WordPress session, which I figured there, I have a, let's say, an obligation to be in. Well, didn't you pro didn't you propose it? Well, I proposed there should be one because um, invariably there's always somebody there who wants to talk about WordPress. I did yeah. not necessarily suggest it should be opposite the specialized micropub clients one, which I was also interested in. Yeah. So it was just a conflict. Okay. So I I don't know if I ever went back and watched the specialized micropub clients. Maybe I have something to do this afternoon. Okay. So the whole point is you, there are a lot of different things that happen. And if you go back year by year, you'd see every year we have something. All I have to do is change a number from 2017 to 2016, and I have the schedule for the previous year. Mm -hmm. And we can keep going back and seeing there are all these discussions, um, and there are all these things that happen, there are all these notes. So you may get an idea. One day I will wake up and build endorsements, which I really should be the first person to build because I'm the one who suggested that name, which has never actually been used. Also, or, or you'll find you desperately need it for some reason, and we'll, well build, build it for that, other than just doing it for well, the exercise. Well, I thought I would build it so somebody could endorse me. Yeah, there you go. So the thing is, if I build it for WordPress, then it activates on all WordPress sites, and then I could have you endorse me. There you go. Well, I would do it just to dog food the first use. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying. If I build it into, into WordPress, I know there's at least, that gives me some other users to interact with. Yep. Um, some of the problems you have when you build it into 
your own proprietary site is you have to wait for another proprietary system or another, even if it's open source, another homebrew system to actually incorporate that particular feature. I can get hundreds of sites capable of doing that feature with a single click if I build it into WordPress. But usually it doesn't, um, it doesn't take very long even on small sites because I've watched earlier this week where uh, Malcolm Blaney had built essentially a, a federated payment site called IndiePay.me. Yeah, I saw that. And, and within probably minutes of him mentioning it, uh, Gregor put together a post and sent it out and you know tested the system for the first time probably in less than 10 minutes of Malcolm mentioning anything about it. Um, so I don't even think there was a wiki page for the project before it was already actively being tested in the wild. Um, and that's a good thing, is it? Oh, no, it's stunning. And particularly on, you know, two completely separate content management systems altogether. So it's not even like yeah. Malcolm was levered or Malcolm was, you know, leveraging the fact that he's using the same content management system that Gregor was, as I'm almost dead certain they're both on two two separate platforms. They are. Um, I think Gregor's using ProcessWire, and I don't think there are that many people using that. Yeah. Uh, the best I could say is there's one thing that I could build that would really shock people if I actually got it going. What's that? Vouch? That is the system that everybody always tells me I should build whenever I start talking about moderation. Yeah. It could be either. There's a few. I think there's a few out there in the wild. Yeah, but I'm saying every time I talk about it. Yeah. So I just built a, I just built a domain whitelist. Yeah, I was going to say you've got a whitelist already, so that's, you know, that's, the, that's a start of something. Well, I've actually had the whitelist for about two years now. I just didn't build it into web mentions, which is what I did. I figured I was in there anyway. Um, I've been in privacy mode, um, adding some extra privacy features. And I've stopped now because I'm waiting to see what WordPress does. They're releasing a whole bunch of other stuff, and I don't want to start writing with functions that haven't been deployed yet. Yeah. I can't play with them. I don't want to work on a beta right now. Either way, um, I could build vouch except i confess i've never quite 100 percent understood how i could build it um because what i have is a um basically a um, messy diagram on a board from indie webcamp cambridge a few years back um the spec was never really um written in a way that i felt 100 percent certain that i understood how to build something that worked the same way that other people built it I think it needs more fleshing out. But the simple well, part of it is I could build something and then let somebody check it and then fix it. But... Well, you could always build something that, and in building it find that there's an easier or better way of doing it and thereby push or nudge the spec to change. No, I just want the spec to be, you know, admittedly we have some really well-written specs now that are very clear and easy to understand. Mm -hmm. I just think the page needs to be fleshed out a bit more. So right now, there's a description of the protocol. There's a whole um, notation of how it's supposed to flow, and they're sort of separate on the page. I think if it was a little more organized, it would be easier for people to build it. Yeah. Because uh, right now it says, um, A sends a web mention with 2B. 
That's I don't understand what A sends a web mention with to B. I, I think there's a typo there. Yeah, who, possibly. Who, who don't know each other. B has never linked to A, and A sends along a third parameter, vouch equals C, in addition to source equals A and target equals B. B syntax checks that A and B are valid URLs. B checks if they approve A's domain. If so, they're done, and they accept the web mention. Otherwise, B check, syntax checks that C is a valid URL. B checks if they approve C's domain. B checks if page C has a link to A's domain. B checks that the page A has a link to B. If all checks passed, B accepts the web mention. If any checks fails, B returns 400. Well, it sounds reasonably straightforward. Yeah, no, I'm saying I, I feel like it. I feel like it could use some fleshing out on the explanation. Well, maybe that's the session we should propose. Because the summit. Because if somebody works on fleshing that out, I think I. The biggest question is is that is that part where it says B checks if they approve C's domain. So what I'm missing now is the um, deciding whether or not I approve a domain, which is I started with a whitelist. But there are a few other things that I could do. Mm -hmm. For example, um, basically generating a list of domains that I approve of based on my previous approval record. Well, you've got, and I think um, Colin Walker has got a little mini plugin that he has taken a list of all the people he's received web mentions from and turned it essentially into a blog role of sorts. Well, if you, uh, um, he created a lot of very useful little plugins including the one that um, he created based on the fact that both um, Matthias Pfefferly and I uh, both said that we weren't necessarily going to create what he wanted which works as a if we're not going to build it and he did that's exactly what should happen um, he asked uh, the question um, how do you prevent web mentions being sent for spe specific links and we basically said, well, um, we're not really going to do that right now. Um, he specifically wanted it, so I told him how he could do it, and he did it himself. Mm -hmm. So he built a plugin that um, basically, he built a lot of very like one-file uh, simple plugins, mm -hmm. which are very useful little tools. Um, so he built this two days ago, uh, which is called No Mention. And it excludes links from sending web mentions in the event that um, the link has a tag class equals no mention. Yeah, I'd seen some discussion a few weeks back where he had specified it, and I'd seen some chatter back and forth, but I didn't know he had built it into a full plugin yet. Well, basically, like it, he was he wanted it built in, and I pointed out to him how he could do it using the filter that we already built in. So he just, it was basically, we didn't feel that the design of a, it being a class quite worked out, that there mm. might, maybe there should be a way of doing that, but that wasn't necessarily the way we, we thought it would work. So he built it into a little plugin. If you enable the plugin, it works that way. And that's exactly the way it should be. Yeah. But well, and, I, and ideally it could be something that could get rolled up with all the rest later on at some later point. And I have a feeling those who are, concerned about things like GDPR and privacy may have need to or may want to for one reason or another. In fact, I think I, I wrote a post a couple months ago and defined the word sub-mention 
as a kind of portmanteau word working off of the concept of uh, a subtweet, which happens on Twitter, where you you're talking about someone and you don't want them to know you're talking about them, so you don't use their you know at handle. So they don't get the notification from Twitter that Joe is talking about me. And typically, in most cases, you're talking smack about someone or not talking well about them, at least. So you want to be able to say who they are, but without at at mentioning them to send a specific notification. Um, But I think that there had been some chat going back a couple months ago for things like that. In fact, I noticed yesterday, I think it's Matthias Ott has a, in the web mention plugin for the craft CMS, I think he had built in some infrastructure and UI for allowing certain links to not send uh, web mentions as well. Yeah, I just think that um, it being class equals no mention doesn't quite work. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to be able to specify but I think that I didn't think that that was necessarily the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, I suggested um, rel equals no follow, which is an established thing for search engines, which we already have. If you say you don't want to follow a link, then you shouldn't send a web mention. But again, it probably deserves more discussion. Well, if you do that, though, then you're worry. You've got to worry about services like WordPress that put rel equals no follow on every comment that shows up in your comment section which then means when you're commenting back from your own site to someone else's site you can't have a a properly threaded conversation um i think the tough part is the have wh- whether it's a rel or a class having something new that specifies this for mentions is probably valuable so that you're not also tagging on you know decades or more of baggage from other semantic meanings that other things like no follow may have coming along with them. And again, I think it needs more discussion. I don't think it's the reason why I said we wouldn't do it. In my opinion is it needs more community discussion. I think whatever we come up with shouldn't be limited to the WordPress plugin because then it's sort of a local hack. I think it should be a Mm -hmm. accepted community decision. At the moment, if we wanted to if we wanted to blacklist some stuff with a, a user interface in WordPress, that's fine, but this is adding a property. I think yeah. that requires some more discussion. Now, admittedly, somebody has to be the first person to add a property. And why not the WordPress plugin? But again, I think it it's more. Yeah. Well, and now there's at least one person out there who's using it. In fact, now that I know it's a plugin, I'm going to have to go out and dig it up myself. And Well, he has a lot of, as I said, he has these very useful, very simple plugins that do one thing and do it very well. And that's Whereas um, for maintenance reasons, we've sort of started to roll some of these things together and add more functionality to the core plugin. For example, the new version of the web mention plugin for WordPress this week got a few features. Might as well. well uh, it got um, GDPR recommendation text. It now has a help tab. I'm guessing you haven't seen the help tab. Uh, I updated it, but I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. Um, well, 
basically um, there is now a web mention setting page because people said they couldn't find. Oh, because it was hiding in the discussion tab. Yeah, so now it it appears either under settings if you or if you happen to have the indie web plugin installed, it'll appear under the indie web header just to keep things a little more organized. But inside yeah. it, the help tab actually does have some help. Oh, that's good. Yeah, uh, which I think we could do better at, but uh, because it has that old uh, Andy Sylvester video that uh, is. I think they oh, 2013. Yeah. yeah well, so I think to... we could, I think we could record a newer video. I've got a a lineup of some stuff I'm about to do. Um, but it also I... it also includes a uh, automatically approved web mentions from these domains, which is the one I mentioned, the whitelist. Mm-hmm. And it has a a new feature: show avatars on web mentions if available. So this feature was in the um, is enabled more in the semantic linkbacks plugin, which adds avatars. Mm-hmm. But this specifically tur- um, turns on or turns off avatar support for web mentions. And I made sure that semantic linkbacks does not do that anymore. It turns mm-hmm. it on for pingbacks and trackbacks, but all of the avatar functionality for web mentions is now in the core web mention plugin because while semantic linkbacks does add avatars, that doesn't mean it can't be added elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it hasn't gone stable yet, but uh, I do have a pull request to allow you to edit your um, web mention data. So if you install semantic linkbacks, there'll be a little box where you could edit what the avatar photo is and whether or not it's a like, a reply, etc. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's currently um, a waiting review. But I'm assuming now that we've wrapped up some of the web mention stuff for another cycle, that it will probably be coming soon. Or we'll just have to install it from master and fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, no, not from master, from PR. Oh, for, okay, yeah, from PR. Uh, there was a question. There was a question about a few things that were on it, so it's currently waiting. Uh, for example, um, the anonymous icon. So um, in order to accommodate the people who didn't want a avatar, I added a locally stored anonymous icon. And there was a, a there was a question about it. Yeah. So it doesn't. So you're oh, so you're not taking the kind of mystery icon that Gravatar throws in based well, did, on. Well, it, you just answered the question. It's thrown in from Gravatar. Okay. That isn't or is it, that isn't very private, is it? Well, or is it thrown in from? Because I think Gravatar gives you an option of like four or five different setups. Yeah, but they're all being run through their system. Okay. It took a little maneuvering to ensure that it's that it's sending a local image. Yeah. Um. So basically, it is the anonymous guy. I just sent you a link to. Yeah. Or the mystery person. Well, no, this one is the anonymous guy. Oh, is it? Okay. No, I'm saying mystery per- man is what the default one is called. This is anonymous guy. Okay. Isn't he cute? Oh, he's cute. But, I, you know, the first thing I think, too, is, you know, how can we 
Um, although I guess this is, well, I don't know. How do you how do you better gender neutralify you know icons like these that don't that don't need to have gender specificity? Particularly, do you think this one has? Do you think this one has gender specificity? It is a uh, basically the silhouette of an individual in a hat, a tie, and glasses. Well, th- this yeah, this well, this says to me spy, but the fact that it's wearing a tie in some cultures would give it a gender specific nature. Um, I remember reading a post uh, six or seven months ago when Twitter changed their uh, generic egg icon into a person icon that they spent a humongous amount of time and effort and energy trying to create a generic icon that had as little specificity to it but still indicate this is a person. Um, I thought this was the closest one I could find. Um, Bear in mind, I didn't draw the thing. Yeah, I was going to say, for picking out a... And that's always the tough thing, is how do you pick out an icon that that specifies a generic idea from a list of pre-existing icons is not always an an easy thing. I thought, you know, the the anonymous individual with the dark glasses and the the hat and the, the coat sort of indicates somebody who is trying to hide their identity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it does that. Which is sort of, yeah, um, you may be right about the tie. But, yeah. But it's just sort it, of a... Well, it's it's even something that I think is so hard. There are several, uh, even on the IndieWeb Wiki, there are lots of post types or kinds, depending on how you want to s- specify it within your content management system of choice. But there are... I didn't have know, a choice. There are things like you know notes and articles and jams and bookmarks, and for a lot of these things, there are some very good general purpose emoji that fit the bill. But for some things, you know, there are really no good emojis or icons out there that kind of suit the needs for how one defines these in a, a broad. You know, multicultural, particularly multicultural system, where when one sees it, it, it it is patently obvious what the idea, the semantic idea, idea behind a thing is. Emoji avatars. Yeah. Someone get on that. Well, I you know it's it's a tough thing because even until recently there were, were was no such thing as a a red haired emoji, and I. You know, and all the hamburgers apparently were wrong, and all and the beer was apparently magical. Too, too much foam, not enough foam. In it, you know, or they're all the emoji are platform specific. So, doesn't it amaze you that that's what people notice? Yeah, is it you know is it is a is it an authentic looking handgun or is it a squirt gun? You know, and and or what should it be? I look um, forward to living in a world where that's not the most important thing we have to talk about. Yeah. Well, it's that's the hard part of design um, and why we need many more designers kind of playing around in the indie web world. Well, I'd love to have them. I'd love to have people, you know, telling me that there's something that I could change that will make things better. I 
think a lot of other people who build tools would like to hear that. And some of it's more complicated than others. But if somebody has a very simple thing that they said, well, what if it worked like this and that works? It'll be there very quickly. Yep. And by the end of today, there'll be more things. Because I've committed by the end of the day to pushing some minor fixes. which should make certain people happy. As, as well as a podcast. Yeah, podcast is easy. Well, it's amazing to me even how, you know, the small incremental changes from one podcast episode to the next that WordPress has been adding as we do these things. So, WordPress or me? Well, you you or I are both because there's a few there's a few subtle things I've been hand coding to try out. Well, if you have a suggestion, because before before I decide, hey, this is I like this enough that this could or should be a a standard or a useful thing for not just me but for others. Well, I got so annoyed that it wasn't automatically putting in the enclosures that I went and fixed it, so it did. Yeah, well, the, and there's stuff like that that is seems patently obvious that hey, it needs this thing, but then there are other things that as you're going along, you're like, no, this this might be fun. So you try it out for a few posts or and you see how it works, how it doesn't work, what kind of response it gets or doesn't get, and then kind of go from there. So Well, we'll see what's next. I'm going to be in the postcons plugin this afternoon fixing a bug I introduced last week. Uh oh. But so far, um not just um, somebody was commenting about the rendering on micro.blog. Apparently I made it worse instead of better. Oh, okay. But I have made sure that my JSON feed is working out nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I saw you know that you added the uh, geo... Geo.json. Uh, so basically JSON. I'm adding I'm at adding all of this uh, data to my JSON feed and now I just need somebody to consume it. If such a person exists. Somebody somewhere will come up with a, a reason. Or I, I've got to think that within the the reader world that's currently exploding, somebody will figure out a way to pull it, pull in that geotag data that doesn't always exist everywhere and do something useful with it. Yeah, but I'm also putting in all the microformats. Which was a big long list, as I recall, having seen earlier in the week. Well, basically, I just took all the microformats and merged them into the feed. So whatever yeah. microformats you have in your post will automatically become part of the JSON feed. Yeah. Seemed easier. With I know it isn't the, standard. Well, does that include the privacy stuff for things like uh, uh, geotags when one meant them to be private? Uh, actually, no, because I checked it. I also fixed the bug that it was showing in the GRSS feed, regardless. Oh, okay. so it will it it was respecting the um, it was respecting private, but it wasn't respecting protected. Okay, I was going to say I think I saw a a post in the uh, issue queue about it being that way, but I didn't see that it had actually. There is still the problem that attachments are leaking 
um, location. However, if the attachment already had its location embedded in there, then it was already doing that regardless of what I do. Yeah. I think that's the issue you were thinking of. So the question is, you upload a picture to a site, and that picture includes location data. I just made it easier for you to see that location data, which was always there. Oh, that's good. However, uh, there are other people who would say, now you're storing that location data. I was always storing it. You uploaded the picture with it. Yeah. That's sort of a, a gray area there. Uh, the simple truth is if you right now um, take a photo that has GPS in it and upload it to a WordPress site and simple locations installed, it will take data out of there and it will generate the, yeah, lo so the location so data automatically. So even if the UI doesn't make it, it actually does uh, apparent. Well, your your UI now makes it apparent, whereas pre previously it was the the media library API in WordPress doesn't make it apparent. But if you go into the actual attachment, it's yeah. there. Well, I would have to think that somebody at WordPress is thinking about adding that snippet to have no. GDPR um, parity going forward. Well, actually, no, because um, they rejected um, that on the basis that it, it would be an issue for a GPDR. So some um, they actually submitted a recently, and I'd already had um, some code, but I basically started storing mine in their, the same place as their proposal. Uh, they recently tried to close um, bug num uh, ticket number 9257, which is a nine-year-old ticket adding GPS, longitude, and latitude to image metadata. So I'd done this a long time ago, but when they did this, I wanted to match up so that I could eventually remove my code and just store it in the same place. Mm -hmm. So um, it was approved um, for addition into uh, basically 5.0. And the thing is, there was a discussion of how to inform the user appropriately about the presence of geolocation data, and the GDPR group decided that the functionality needs to be off by default unless the user is made aware that the location data is being used. It was removed because the feature would have to be off by default to be GDPR compliant, and that may make it plug-in material. Yeah. Uh, so basically it has been uh, closed. However, in the next in version 5, it's already been approved that the standard for um, adding data to there will actually become easier, because right now, in order for you to get data out of the the EXIF data, you have to reread the file. They're actually making it so you can get the data without rereading the entire file. Mm -hmm. So I'll be able to change my code anyway to make it better, but uh, right now they've decided they're not tackling this while privacy is still a big wow. issue. So you're welcome to read uh, WordPress ticket number 9257 for more background on that. All nine years of it. <laughs> which I'm sure spans 10 pages. Uh, no, it's actually fairly short. Uh, it was nine years, and then it was ignored. Uh, let's see, there was a whole discussion over nine years. Then it was peaked again in five at the five-year mark, and there was a little discussion at the five-year mark. Then at three years, um, somebody tagged it as needing unit tests. Then nine months. It took another, <laughs> um, it basically, it took another two years before somebody wrote unit tests. Then six months ago, it, it was basically I looked at by somebody who said, um, said we could have a lot of fun with this. Oh, man. <laughs> and then ultimately it was approved 
for release into 5.0, but then closed on the basis of privacy. Gotta love and WordPress. In the, and and then in the intervening years, billions of uploaded photos have been leaking EXIF data and geolocation coordinates because. Well, they're in the file regardless. <laughs> no one, well, no one bothered to take the file and process it and strip them out. Well, the thing is, that's happening right now. If you upload a photo, it keeps that data in there. It does not sanitize the metadata built into the photo. Yeah. So it's still there. So the question is, is it a ba- is it less or more private to make things easier to find, even though they're always publicly available? <laughs> I'm saying no. Yeah, I to me it'd be better to sanitize it when you initially upload it, and or if there's a piece of UI that says, "I yes, explicitly leave this data in there. I enjoy it. I like it. I want to use it, or at least I want it to be available for me." And at the moment, I'm not I'm not prepared to tackle that. Yeah, jeez. Strip, no stripping metadata out of a photo. Yeah, not on my list. But again, there's a lot of interesting things going on, and I'm hoping to have um, contact keeps um, challenging me to. It's not just me, but um, to have some sort of itch for uh, the Indie Web Summit. Basically, an idea that I can demo. Yeah, I don't have you know the thing I've been working on on and off is not really demoable. It's all underlying plumbing to make things better. Yeah, everybody who I talk to about it agrees. Yeah, that would. In order to make it so that I could very instantly syndicate to anywhere would be a, a great feature, but it's not really that exciting. Doing it would be. Mm-hmm. But basically, how do you demo? Oh, now, instead of me having to, um, to go through all these, all these different interfaces in order to post, I can just go through one unified interface. The most impressive example of that, if it all worked, would be I'd be able to use one of the two beta micropub clients on my phone to post to my site, which would then syndicate out to wherever the second part wanted me to. Yeah. Oh, so which are the two beta micropub clients you're using? Uh, well, I'm testing. I'm not using them in active use. I'm testing Indigenous for Android, and the other one is, and I always mispronounce it, Ramini, W-R-I-M-I-N-I. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm testing both of those and giving feedback when they work or don't work. Now, um, also, I don't seem to see my syndication targets, which I pointed out to them, even though I see them will. So somebody's getting them. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Ramini no longer works for me because it's redirecting in a way that my system can't understand, which I pointed out. So uh, Problems. I always read it as Rye Mini, as in writing small. Oh, is that what it's supposed to be? I, I have no idea, but that's what, looking at it and the way it was spaced out. That's the implication I took. Um, it took me a second after you said it to process what it was. Um, although I haven't reloaded it recently to. Because I was having problems even logging into it initially. Yeah, no, it got better, um, but there's still a problem because of how it was set up. Yeah, it's not redirecting correctly once you've authenticated to it. And again, we've got to fix that. But 
again, if that if that missing piece comes in, then I can do everything that I've ever dreamed of. Oh, yes. Which is post to my site from my phone, which is what I wanted to do. Because I'm often on my phone. Well, the nice part is you've built an awful lot of infrastructure to allow that once, you know, that mobile application exists. So, you're almost there. Hope so. So, is there anything else we should cover before we call it a day? I think we had a lot of nice conversations. Or, or, hit, or hit the two-hour mark. We're only at one hour and 12 minutes. Okay. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, so next week I will not be available on Sunday. So we will not record a podcast. Unless we record another day. Um, well, so we could always come back tonight at midnight. I think I'll be sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I think you should be too. I think I was not at my best. I was awake, but I don't think I was at my best last time. Yeah. Well, I... You covered it well. You covered it well. I'm saying you see me a little more animated. Early. Yeah. Um, but uh, we will see when the next when the mood hits us to record another one. Exactly. Well, um, because remember uh, the week um, next week I'm unavailable. The week after that is uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, I will be in Florida for Memorial Day weekend uh, because I have a family affair. They decided to have it on a day where nobody was going to be working because it was Memorial Day. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, then uh, the following week, um, I think I'm available. Then, um, what two weeks after that is the Andy Web Summit? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe we maybe we'll we record have, live. Yeah, record live with multiple other people, maybe even. Well, uh, um, I wonder if I have enough room in my suitcase to bring my multi-recording rig. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see what perfect. I we'll see what I can stick in a suitcase, even if I just get. Uh, I could bring the snowball, which is an omnidirectional microphone. There you go. Well, we'll see. I have right. time to figure out what gear I'm going to haul in my bag from New York to Seattle, Seattle to Portland, and then Portland back to New York, and possibly, if it's a repeat of last year, Portland um, back to New York by way of Manila. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, un until then, uh, let's wish everybody a, a happy Mother's Day, since we're recording on Mother's Day. Yes. Um, if you are a mother... Um, Good for you. It is your day. Um, thank you to Mrs. Jarvis. <laughs> What's so funny? I hear, I hear some laughter. Always what, what? a little chuckle. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's wrong with thanking Mrs. Jarvis? <laughs> no, nothing at all. You're Mrs. Familiar? Jarvis is important. Yeah, but you remember her, right? Yes. Okay. So who, let, for everybody no, who doesn't get the reference, you, you, um, you always pull, you always pull out these random references at the end of episodes. And okay, so I'm gonna, just going to ask you: Do you actually get the reference? Who is Mrs. Jarvis? Or who was Mrs. Jarvis? I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to ruin. I'm not going to ruin it. I'll let everybody Google it. Okay. I feel like I saw. I, I feel like I may have surprised you too much on last last week's uh, reference to Willy Wonka. Well, I think we both have this uh, <laughs> tendency to have a lot of obscure references. Yeah. Good. On that note, um, one of these days I will save um, a, a reference uh, that I've been saving for a long period of time. Um, because um, basically, 
on June 4th, I'm going to be celebrating a milestone event in my professional career. Oh, don't leave us hanging. Uh, well, June 4th is the 91st anniversary of the flight of the first transatlantic passenger. I celebrate it every year. Without that, I wouldn't be employed. Also, uh, the week after that is when I celebrate. Um, they take me out to lunch in honor of my 15 years with my employer. Nice. Well, people ask me why I stay there, and I often joke it's because every five years they buy me lunch. <laughs> so I haven't had lunch since year 10. Well, when I see here, Indie, Indie Web Summit, lunch is on me. I was, I'm saying they haven't bought me lunch in five years. Anyway, but uh, either way, just remember June 4th, once again, the 91st anniversary of the flight of the first transatlantic passenger. Without him, I would not have a job right now. Or at least not the job I have. I'd have some other job. Yep. Let us sing a song about him. <laughs> there you go. By the way, I know too. Now we know what the end of music is going to be overlaid here for us. Because I'm not, I'm not going to sing. You really want me to sing a rousing rendition of that song? I'll have to go track down the lyrics. It's been yeah, a while. You, well, you, you can overlay it on the outro. Well, I think I, have, I think I actually have a professionally recorded version. I'll see if I can track one down. But I, may, so still- I, I, think, I, I think I should save that for the June 4th episode. Yeah, oh, there you go. You could do that. Because I can already feel everybody everybody like speeding their podcast players up by a factor of two. Well, I, I would have thought that everybody would want to stop the podcast at that point before they heard me try to sing. <laughs> anyway, okay. until until next time, you can find me at david.chansky.com and you can find Chris at where? At Bafo. Uh, you can now find me at HTTPS. He's a secure Bafo. Yep. Until next time. Have a good one, David.